Here we go, Marketing Management Money with your hosts, Ryan Murray, Ethan Migliori. Uh, we're going to talk today about partnerships, partnership agreements, and I'm going to put something out there. You know, before you uh, automatically bounce and be like, well, I'm not putting together a partnership agreement in my company, so this doesn't pertain to me. Uh, it actually does, and here is why. When was the last time you did a vendor agreement? When was the last time that uh, you uh, hired someone? Marketing agreement? Uh, yeah, you know, like uh, uh, applied for a grant, uh, any sort of external funding, uh, applied for a loan, you know, gotten into an agreement with, uh, you know, with a, a bank or uh, some other financial uh, institution. So I, I, I really want to, even though we're going to hit primarily on traditional partnerships, uh, we are going to touch on all of the different partnerships that, uh, that you get into. Uh, they might be formal, they might be a handshake, but uh, there's, there's a lot of things that you can do on the front end to save you some grief on the back end. And, you know, Ethan... You actually deal with this more than I do. Uh, you know, you uh, through through kind of your uh, just your experience and a lot of things that you've done. Uh, you've had to personally negotiate a lot of agreements. Mm-hmm. Um, you've had to negotiate uh, agreements for large organizations. Uh, you know, in fact, you do that regularly. I do. Uh, and then you consult a lot of people on getting into agreements when they are just dealing with, you know, like, hey, my uh, my brother-in-law and I want to do this business. And, you know, you've seen some <laughs> good, bad, and ugly that's, oh, yes. <laughs> that's happened there. So so why, why, why don't you kind of lead in with, with some of your experience on, on this episode? Um. Well, my attitude is always this when it comes to partnerships. It's not a matter of if, it's when it goes wrong. Yeah. Okay. It will go wrong. It always does because you're dealing with people. Okay. Which is ultimately why, you know, you use that word agreement because when we have agreements in place, it creates structure for what we're going to do when things go wrong. Mm -hmm. Okay. So that's why I like agreements because it's the structure for how we're going to deal with it when things go wrong. Okay. And so if you have good agreements in place between partners or different entities, uh, depending on what you're trying to achieve, um, then when those unforeseen things come up, you, you, you don't have to figure out what you're going to do. You can simply go to a document and say, this is what we agreed to when we did this. Oh, okay, so that's actually one of the things I wanted to hit on right off the bat is how important is the document and what should the document look like? When do you need a document? Are there times you can get away without a document? Uh, you know, I know, I hit you with like five questions it, at once. It's tough because as, as an American economy, we grew up under what's called a common law, mm-hmm. which means that... We do what we say we're going to do, meaning it's a, it's a handshake type thing. That's the type of business we want to do. Mm-hmm. I want to do agreements based off of a handshake. Mm-hmm. But too often, unfortunately, whether people even with good intentions, things just come up and that handshake is now compromised. Mm-hmm. Not because someone was trying to actually give you the short end of the straw, but something changed. Mm-hmm. Um, whether it be, like, like matter of fact, COVID hitting. No one saw that coming. Right. You know what I mean? Uh, and if someone did, I need to get to know them because I want to know what to bet on next. Okay. 
Because I need to know. <laughs> I could make a lot of money if I can find that person that could predict things like that. Yeah. But because it didn't, now that when agreements were in place because of things like that, it wasn't an issue of how we're going to deal with things. Well, and I want to point this out, that um, just because you have something written down does not mean that you can't still have a handshake. Yeah. And, and it doesn't mean that it can't be changed as things evolve, because that's one of the things that I would encourage anyone in a partnership to say, hey, look, based off of both of us signing an addendum, per se, mm-hmm. um, we can still modify this agreement as economies change, as cultures change, as our business changes, as our employees and lifestyles change. Um, those agreements probably need to change. Mm-hmm. So, so I, I've got a prime example. Uh, this is kind of something that it was interesting how this rolled out for me. So I had someone that brought me on and they wanted me to do some consulting services. And when they first brought me on, they put together a written agreement. And I looked at that written agreement and I actually disagreed with it. And I'm just like, no, I, I don't agree with this. But it was so much so that I I looked at it and like, so there was a growth model. I, I should get a little bit more specific. There was a growth model into this, you know, consulting agreement that they said, okay, based on the growth, we're going to, you know, we're going to pay out a certain percentage of that growth. And I went back to him and I said, look, here's the problem. I am not in control of your growth. And so, you know, you're trying to do compensation based on things that I don't have control over. And so I don't actually agree with, you know, the the way that you want to spell this out. And so, you know, I I countered with him and I said, I just want a flat rate. I I, I want a flat rate with them. And, And they came back and they said, what if we do this? We'll give you a small flat rate. And then we'll still have this this growth model in place. And I'm just like, okay, fine, you know. So, uh, and this engagement went on for a couple of years. Uh, the first year, you know, I got absolutely nothing out of it. But, you know, things take time and you have to develop them. Well, the second year, growth went through the roof. And it was amazing. And I actually got paid out handsomely because of that, you know, that, that thing that I actually wanted to take out. I, I should go back and do the math of how stupid I was that I should have just, <laughs> should have just taken the, you know, the, 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 the straight growth, not, not the flat. But anyway, um, when, when that was done, uh, you know, they came back and they said, okay, we want to, we want to renegotiate the, the terms because the, you know, kind of the benchmark of growth has moved, you know, where, you know, we, yeah. we, we achieved some growth and we want to do that. And I went back to them and I said, look, here's the situation. I've already put in the majority of the consulting that I'm going to do. Uh, you know, we have kind of an ongoing agreement, but, uh, you know, a lot of that growth has already happened. And I'm like, so unless you want to change what, you know, what you're contracting me to do, I'm actually just going to move it to a handshake agreement. And so I went from a written agreement to a handshake agreement. But the reason why is because we had already had an understanding to, you know, to fall back on. Now, I don't know. Maybe that's just my personality. Maybe that's just my style of saying, hey, look, you know, we we had some success before. Uh, You want to change the number, but I, you know, I don't agree with the way that you're changing it. So let's just go to a handshake. I will keep consulting for you. If we see another positive windfall, it's kind of up to you as how you want to, you know, how, how you want to make that work. And, and to date, it's been working fine, you know, like, yeah. like that, that well, has worked out for us. And, and that's the beauty of inherently that that's how we like to do business. Mm-hmm. 
it's just simpler that we want people to do what they say they're going to do. Um, but unfortunately, time has told us that that, regardless of good intentions, doesn't always play out. And yeah. so that's where we always counsel someone, look, if you're going to go into a partnership, you need to have, uh, you know, a good partnership agreement. And by good, meaning that we've taken the time on the front end uh, to have those hard conversations to establish some good guidelines so that that we don't dissolve this company and cause a disaster in everyone's life because we couldn't we couldn't come to a concession and agreement. So I I see this a lot and I don't have the correct I can I can give some examples of how things went wrong with this but I don't have the oh, correct answer. Yeah, I'm sure we'll <laughs> share tons of <laughs> stories during this episode of cuz I've got more than Santa Claus has on his list. So. I, know, I know, I know, so bad. But, uh, you know, when I've had people come to me and they're trying to put together a founder's agreement, you know, they've got this business idea, they're excited about it, you know, and inevitably they either want to partner with their best friend, their wife, or their brother-in-law. I'm like, really? Can you not partner with someone who has a skill set? Like, why does it always have, it have to, to be, be a family. family or close friends? You yeah. know? So... Anyway, um, and then I tell them, I'm like, look, you need to put some stuff down in writing. And for and, and I don't have the experience that you have, so I'm kind of asking this question to you. But what's happened with me is when I've told them to put stuff down in writing, they always come back and it's very, like it's riddled with holes. And I'm like, well, what if this happens? What if this happens? What if this happens? And they haven't accounted for any of that. It's so hard for someone to think through the different scenarios, all of the, yeah. you know, all the things that you need to be cautious of. And honestly, I ended up frustrating a lot of people by counseling them to do to do a founder's <laughs> agreement. You know, uh, I've seen people that have hired attorneys. Um, you know, yeah, and yeah. they don't get any better because. And I'm not. I'm not saying attorneys are bad. There are times to bring attorneys in, but a lot of times those attorneys are just going to go with the legal document, not necessarily you know covering the bases. Let me share two examples, and then I, and I'll probably go through just random because you know I have a list of a probably 60 questions that generally I throw at people to say, look, this, these are things you need to be considering. They may or may not apply depending on the situation, but it's a pretty comprehensive list of things to consider. But let me share two examples and then we'll talk about some of the questions and, and, and why uh, you want to least explore the questions. Okay. Mm -hmm. Even if you decide to do it on a handshake afterwards, um, you better hope that they have a good memory, but, um, <laughs> but it's okay. So, um, Individual working in sales, okay, they do some independent contracting for sales to help drive uh, business and or potential investors towards uh, other organizations. Mm -hmm. Go into an agreement uh, that any anything that they bring to the table, they get a percentage of. Well, the individual connects the company with uh, uh, John Doe, okay? Mm -hmm. John Doe, nah, not really interested, but John Doe knows Jack Doe, mm -hmm. okay? And so... Now, Jack Doe does some business with to help increase the, you know, the profitability of this organization A and, and salesperson over here says, well, wait a minute, I connected you, so I should get a piece of that. And the company says, no, you didn't introduce me to that person. Okay. So now they're being what they feel is completely shafted. But when you look at the scenario, you go, yeah, that's a tough one. Right. That was a tough one because your agreement doesn't say me or any secondary or tertiary people who I connect you with through an individual maybe. But see, that's the problem when you get into some of that stuff is because some of that's hard to write into it. But at the same time, 
for that sales individual, they, you know, in doing independent connecting there, they, they felt like, wait a minute, I'm getting the short end of the straw. Yeah. Because it wasn't built into a contract and they felt that that was part of this handshake agreement that anything that if I connect you and it has a connection to it can do it. But as a company, you're going, well, then how many connections do way do I need to be before I don't have to connect you to it? Okay. Uh-huh. It's, you see what I mean? Those are this type of scenarios that, uh, you know, we can go through a lot of questions, but, and I'll show you some of the questions, but we probably could have established that a little bit more either from the company or the contracting salesperson if they would have maybe been thinking through some of that. But initially, see, those are just things you don't think about. What happens if I connect you to a, you know, person A, but it's really person A who now connects you with person B. Do I still get the credit for it? Mm-hmm. I don't know. The next one is, is um, an individual scene. This is where, uh, where you talk about agreements and not necessarily um, per partnerships, but uh, individuals now selling their business, but departing selling their business, there's a short period of a partnership, okay, um, as they go through a transition so that there isn't a, a loss of proprietary information, okay? We, we, need to, we need you to stay on while we go through this transition so that um, we don't have loss of clients and data and things like that, you know, which is smart. You see it all the time in, in large mergers. Um, counseling with the individual and they're like, okay, how, how do I how do I deal with some of this stuff? And my, one of my first thoughts is, okay, what happens if you die or what happens during this uh, transitional period if something happens to you or them? Because now they've given you some money, but the full contract doesn't come to fruition until the end of this transition period where you get the remaining amount. And, and so if they pay you a lump sum up front and then all of a sudden one of those individuals is called home early by God, okay, um, do you get to keep the money? Or does that family say, we no longer can feel this agreement, we want the money back? Mm-hmm. So are you thinking about things like that? And what happens to you, okay, if something happens to you and you can't fulfill that agreement and they've given you money, can they go after your spouse mm-hmm. who's now the beneficiary of those funds? Okay, well... If we think about stuff like that and we're asking these tough questions, now it's easy to structure an agreement to say, yes, based off of this scenario, this is how it's going to play out. That if something happens to the, the individual who's purchasing this business, okay, um, and so now the spouse or someone else doesn't have the ability to actually fulfill the business, well, we have it in writing that anything that's put down as a down payment is non-refundable. Mm-hmm. Okay, we solve some of those issues so that because you don't think they happen, but they do. I'm telling you, crazy stuff happens all the time in business. <laughs> and and people go, well, that's never going to happen. I'm like, no, it will happen. Trust me, it will happen. You just better pray it doesn't happen to you. Well, and, and the crazy thing is, is like you need to go into business with the attitude of something, you know, million to one that this would ever happen is going to happen yeah. to you. You might... In fact, you likely won't have the same scenario that someone else has had, which makes it unprecedented, which means that it's more difficult to manage because you have nothing to fall back on. But you need to be prepared that weird things are going to happen, you know, and when these weird things happen... What are you falling back on? If there's something to fall back on, you you still will have to navigate these waters. You're still yeah. going to have to figure out, okay, how do we deal with this situation? How do we deal with this situation? You know, but 
be prepared for weird. Oh yeah. So let me let me go through a couple of different scenarios that I've seen over the years that um, I guess kind of stand out to me, and then you know you you chime in as as sure. you you know see fit. So um, structuring the business, two partners come in right now. One's putting in cash. One's putting in time. Oh, okay. I already. Do you, do you I, know where this one's going? Well, I, <laughs> I'll, I'll let you, you, you keep going with it, and then I so, will tell you my rule. I have a rule. Okay. So uh, individual A puts in cash. Individual B is going to put in in kind and in their time to make it work. Sweat equity. Sweat equity. Okay. Now, a year down the road, the company has some profitability, and uh, – they got to figure out how to split the profits, which is another thing that you should be talking about. How are you going to split that? Okay. Well, this one becomes severely complicated because they didn't talk about this in the beginning. Mm-hmm. Okay. So now that they say we're going to split the profits and come, uh, uh, partner B says, yeah, we're going to split them 50-50. And partner A says, but you haven't put in $40,000 of time. And they say, oh, yes, I have. My time's valued at this. Uh-huh. Oh. Yeah. Okay, they didn't work that out in the beginning of what their value of time was and at what point in time do now they become equal partners and what happens when time exceeds cash value some point in time in the future, then how are the profits going to be split? Or you have the person who put money in who is also putting in time because they're vested unless they're a complete yeah. silent partner, which usually isn't the case. And now they say, I deserve to be compensated too. Yeah, mm-hmm. well... If you would have been talking about it in the beginning, you could have set some good structure. All right, now tell me and, your thoughts. Well, well I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to throw in one more thing that gets overlooked a lot is people say, well, you know, I mean, I'm an owner, so my time is valued at 100 bucks an hour, or 50 bucks an hour, right? Well, Go somewhere and see if you can get paid that much. Yeah, well, you, you, you've got owner A who is doing all of the financial management and owner B who is doing widget assembly. And, you know, widget assembly has a market rate of 15 bucks an hour and financial management has a market rate of $33 an hour, you know, Mm -hmm. but the, the owner who's doing the widget says, well, I was just stepping in where needed. I mean, I have the same skill set as, you know, and now, now you're paying 33 bucks an hour in a startup to get your widgets manufactured, which you obviously can't support. It's unsustainable. So, yeah. you know, and I could, I could go off with the whole spiral of out of control. I'm going to put a rule out there. This is, this is Ryan Murray's personal rule. I will never go into business with someone unless they have put cash down. And so if, if Great there's rule. no cash on the line, you know, I have no problem if someone's like, Hey, I want to do sweat equity. I'm like, cool, you can do sweat equity, but guess what? You're volunteering your sweat equity. If you want ownership in this, if you want partnership in this, you put money down. Uh, and I require money down. And it has to be enough money that it means something to them. Uh, yeah. and, and so, and that's different for different people because, you know, some people, a couple thousand bucks, they're just like, oh, yeah, you know, I'll be motivated with a couple thousand bucks. Other people, they're just like, no. Yeah. Like, if, if, if I'm not getting 50 grand from you, you're not vested. You're still just playing. You're, you're hedging yeah. your bets on me. Yeah. So I hope we're establishing the fact that these partnership agreements are important. Okay, yeah. let's look at another scenario. Okay. Um, uh, and this one seems kind of frivolous, but I'm telling you, it wreaks major havoc. Partners come into it. 
Uh, next thing I know, my partner is out saying, hey, I'm the CEO of the organization. Okay. You didn't establish titles in what your roles were. So, so now that they're trying to negotiate something, oh yeah, I'm the CEO. And then they're calling in and you're saying, no, I'm the CEO. Well, sometimes you think that that's frivolous and in many ways it is, but it causes some havoc if you don't establish in the beginning what your roles are, what those potential titles will be, and then stick to what your sweet spots are. Mm -hmm. So establish what your role is actually going to be and what my role is going to be. And let's not try to cross over and do each other's role. Yeah. Okay. So, yeah. so, so, so interesting one on that. I'm going to pick on us for a second, right? Yeah. You always introduce yourself as the co-host or the sidekick <laughs> or something like that. And, and, and we joke around with that. But if you want to get down to brass tacks at the end of the episodes, we say for more information, contact Ryan at marketingmanagementmoney.com. So that's right. Know, we, we, we have formally established that, you know, if you want to, if you want more information, you contact Ryan, but we love hearing from Ethan. <laughs> that's right. And that's, but we've established that in the beginning. Mm -hmm. We know that going into it. And hence, I don't take any offense if someone says, I want to talk to Ryan and not you. Yeah. But you also got to look at it from this way. If you're going to take that CEO role, if you're going to be like, no, I'm the one who gets to call the shots. I'm like, you're also the one that gets to shovel the crap when it is dumping. Yeah. Because there are tough, tough calls that need to be made. They will come up in your business. You know, you've got a customer that you screwed out of several thousand dollars and you, you know, are yep. you going to refund them? Or are you going to tell them sorry? Yeah. You know, and, and so if you're, if you're the guy saying, Hey, you know what? I want that CEO title. Then you're also the guy that, Oh yeah. You get to tell the the city why you know we are out of zoning compliance and they want to fine us. You get to go talk to them. So my rule of thumb in this one is, the person who holds the majority share gets to pick their title first. Okay, so Makes sense. So if I and the second part of this rule is the the structure of the ownership can never, ever, never, ever, ever. I can't even say that enough. Be fifty fifty. It cannot. It has to be fifty-one forty-nine or greater on each side. Mm -hmm. Okay, at sixty I, I forty, seventy thirty. I don't even 30. like fifty-one forty-nine. Honestly, it's too close. It's too close. Yeah. You now, know. sometimes if it's you and your spouse, okay, I kind of get it for maybe some other reasons, mm. but I still get nervous with that one. I disagree. If it's you and your spouse, do a clear sixty forty. Because, so I had this example happen to me. It was super interesting. A lady comes into my office. She owns a trucking company. She was the CEO. She was uh, the one who was daily in it. Her husband actually worked a full-time job, so he was only part-time, right? So they put formally, legally documented that she was 51%, he was 49%. Well, they had an opportunity to put in for a disadvantaged business contract. So it was a government contract where uh, they were looking for, you know, disadvantaged women-owned businesses. Yeah. She qualified for it. So she puts in, got a formal letter back that essentially what they said is, you look like you are a business owner in name 
only. They thought it was a front that, and this happens a lot. So many people will put their wife as, they're like, oh, I want to be women-owned so I can, you know, qualify for grants or government contracts or stuff mm-hmm. like that. Which, by the way, there's a big shift in that happening. Uh, yes. it, it is not what yes. it used to be five years ago. You yeah. know? So if you're still of that mentality, do a little research and get up to speed on, on really where, you know, those minority contracts and government contracts are going. But, uh, you know, so back back on track here, uh, she was furious. And so she came in to me looking for advice. And the advice that I gave her is, you're correct, but I don't know any way that you can prove it because you've already showed them that you're the one that works full time. You're the one that has access to the bank accounts. You're the one that is the CEO, but they rejected it too close. And so uh, why not 60-40? Yeah. You know, yeah. I, there, there's no logical reason for me to say that 60-40 is not a good split. And, you know, the quick thing, people are going to come back and they're going to say, well, money. And I'm like, well, just mm. put together some bonus structure for your yeah. 40%er that offsets that. That's right. You know, an internal bonus structure. Yeah. And, you know, it's easily and, offset. And that's one of the next things I would talk about. Well, let's say, let's not jump from that one yet. But I do want to talk about, you know, how... You know, because a lot of times we don't, they don't talk about how do we pay out. Mm-hmm. Okay. But before we do that one, um, I do want to talk about sometimes it's not just two partners. It's three, four, five. And sometimes okay. they come at different stages. Yes. And so you need to make sure you understand that there's language in there that says, what allows us to make a decision to move on? Is mm-hmm. it a majority? Is it a consent? Is it everybody? Okay. You better make sure that that's clear because if it's not real clear and you four of you get together and the fifth one isn't and you just move on and now they're frustrated with the decision and now they want to stir the pot. Well, if it's majority or consent, it doesn't matter. You had the ability to do that one. So keep that in mind. Also, uh, if you get multiple people in there, make sure you establish very early on what allows you to make those decisions moving on besides just percentage of ownership. Can can I do Ryan Murray rule number two? Yeah. So... Never have anyone that can't be overpowered. And it might take, you know, a group. So if I've got a... If there's more than two. Yes. Okay. Yes. If there's more than two. Thank you for the clarification. So, you know, if I have two people, I have one person who has final say. If I have three people, I still might be okay having one person have final say. But as soon as I get four or more, there should be an opportunity where... If three all want to go one way and one wants to go the other way, the three should be able to overpower the one. Maybe there's a process that has to happen before that takes place, but you should never give anyone absolute power where it's my way or the highway. I'm the boss. I call the shots. Bad structure. Yeah, it it will hurt you. Okay, so now let's jump back to the other one. Uh, it's important to make sure that you talk about compensation from the beginning to the end, meaning compensation on the front end, like we've kind of talked about already. Okay. What is time value? What is my money value? But also on the backside, now that we have some profitability, how are we going to distribute the profits? Mm-hmm. Okay. Based off percentage, based off of time of effort, based off of whatever else. Because as you get into it, that, that and this one becomes a little bit more complex because sometimes... We'll have a partner who will get a benefit out of an organization. So, for instance, uh, one is coming in part-time. This is going to be my full-time job for you. It's your part-time job, and it's part-time for you because you have a full-time job. And guess what? You have health benefits and everything with your other job, so you don't really need it. Yeah. Okay? 
I'm in here full time. Okay. So we split it out and I may say, look, as part of what I'm taking out of this, I want benefits. Okay. And you're like, but I don't need the benefits. I'd rather have the cash. Okay. That's fine. We've come to an agreement that what is important for me may not be important for you. So I can't simply say, no, uh, you know, we both get benefits or we don't get benefits. Mm-hmm. No, 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 no. That, that doesn't always work. So, so there are agreements where you can come in on how on the backside are we going to take things out and based off of what's more important to each other so that we're compensated accordingly so that we feel like we're both invested in it and we're both committed to the cause. So I'm going to recommend on that one when you get into compensation is undercompensate people initially. It's yes. so much easier yep. to increase compensation than it is to decrease compensation. And so, you know, if everyone's feeling like they're getting a little bit underpaid, then you're going to move forward better. Uh, and so, you know, and I see this happen a lot. Someone has been putting their blood, sweat, and tears into a company for three years. They're ready to hire, you know, a a skilled employee. And that skilled employee comes in and they're just like, well, I'm worth all this, you know. And I'm like, yeah, you might be worth all that. But three years of building up a business, like if you're that good, Mr. Skilled Employee, then you go build up your business for three years. You know, there's time value of money exists in, in business as well. And so... You know, undercompensate if someone's like, you know, I, you know, I'm worth 150000 a year. It's like, okay, that's great. What we're going to do is for the first 30 days, I will pay you 70000 or the equivalent of 70000 annual. Then after 30 days, if things are working out, I will go ahead and bump you to 90000 And you know, we'll put you on a profit sharing. Uh, like, right. you get, give, them, give them a logical path to their objective, you know, and I like people who... Based off performance. Yeah, people who come in and they mm-hmm. think they're worth a lot. I'm like, that's cool. But, you know, give them a logical path, but then underpay them and say, okay, prove it. Yeah, you know. yeah. Okay. Next one that's one of my favorites. Oh, okay. Uh, transferability of the business. <sighs> so partners come in... Uh, partner, worst case scenario, partner dies. Okay. Leaves everything to a spouse. And I'm now not you convinced that them dying is always the worst case scenario. <laughs> <laughs> there are some bad apples that you're praying for them yeah. to die. <laughs> yeah. Yes. Some partnerships go horrible. So, but, sorry. Sorry. I just, <laughs> anyway, transferability. So now do I want that individual's spouse is part of my business making those decisions because that's how that worked, okay? So you need to be thinking about when you transfer or if something happens to someone and maybe they just want to get out of the business, how does that transferability of the business look? Do you have to pay them to get them out? I've seen people yeah. that have ownership, even yeah. a, a minority, they, they hold like 10%. And so you're like, oh, it's only 10%. Well, ah, you grow the company, company up to several over million. five years, yeah. And now they get their 10%? And it's going to suck all your cash mm-hmm. and ruin your company. So you might want to say, look, payouts, you know, like the my, lo- lottery pays out over a period of time. They don't do it up front. Well, my recommendation is always this, that, that yes, sometimes people need to be excused, but generally we want it to be a penalty when they leave the business. Okay. Mm-hmm. And which means that now you and I are in business. We both invested in the, the organization uh, in our agreement. We're going to establish that at any point in time in the future, if one of us wants to exit the organization, we exit with what we originally invested into it, mm-hmm. our $40,000 
plus 10 or 15% on top of that. Okay. That's so it's more beneficial for me to stay inside the organization because I'm getting a greater benefit as the company grows than for me to cash out my $44,000. Okay. But now I'm not saying you have to do that, but you can see the extreme of uh, now I'm not penalizing the business when I decide to exit. I, I, I agree with you. I think that's wisdom. However, I also like to have easy exits when someone, you know, like it was fun in the startup phase, but now that we're into the I'm, daily grind, done. you know, and you get personality types. They're excellent at startup, but they're horrible at managing. Right. And I don't necessarily want to keep them in my business. And so even though I agree that I don't want to penalize the business for someone exiting, I also don't want to penalize the business for someone staying past their welcome. Oh, yeah. And so I can, I can see that argument. You I know, support it. that they're there might be opportunity to put in on the front end and say, look, if, you know, if someone wants to leave, like if, if, if I'm trying to leave, we know that it's healthy for both of us. I, I don't want to only leave with, wow, I got $44,000 off of all of that. Yeah. You know, it's like, no, you're, you're good. You got the business to a certain point. It's time to move on. It's time to part ways. You know, here's your quarter right. million that, right. that you earned but we're still moving forward. And so just think about these things. That's yeah. what I'm getting at. Yeah, and, and that's exactly right. So if you're thinking about this, then you're going to have language in there that will give you some type of a pattern or formula that when that scenario comes up, you know how to deal with it. Mm-hmm. So, and, and it, it just happens. Now, what happens if uh, your partner shows up on the uh, daily news tomorrow for driving drunk? <laughs> okay. How are you going to deal with that one? Because... That could hurt seriously the reputation of your organization. And is things like that grounds for dismissal from the organization without yeah. cause and without compensation. Yeah. Okay. Do you want to build in things like that? That if I have a, a partner that maybe has had some bad history, but yet they have a lot of value that, yeah, if they do something stupid, that there's certain reasons why we can uh, terminate them and not have it penalized the organization. Well, okay, but this goes into, and, you know, we mentioned at the first that we're talking about partnerships, but it bleeds into other aspects of the company. This is a good example of employees. So if I have a key employee that all of a sudden they end up on the, you know, the the evening news for, you know, like terrible, I, I'm not even going to say what came to my mind, but it was, it was a heinous crime, right? So... One of the one of the things that that I'm always going to advocate is that do not take someone and make them above the law just because of their skill set. Uh, you know, you yeah. you, you yeah. need to set an example that shows that hey, you know, we as a company we have certain standards that we keep. Now, I I don't mind if you want to show a little bit of mercy. You know, there's a difference in my yeah. book of showing mercy and having someone be above the law. Uh, because the second you make someone above the law, you will just, you've lost the, you know, right. the the engagement of a half a dozen people that saw how you handled that and are like, oh, well, they get to do whatever they want to do. And there's no consequence. You know, I got written up because I, you know, I I accidentally took a water bottle out of the company fridge and, you know, it was company property. And then, you know, this person, like, 
you, you got to have some some consistent standards that don't have people above the law, including yourself. Yeah. Yeah. So, I mean, there's a whole list of. Oh, questions. I thought we were going to go through all sixty. No, I was excited. I, no, <laughs> three have, hours later, we'd have to have like fourteen <laughs> episodes. But I, I want to. The point is, is that there are questions out there. Um, we're happy to share them. Uh, you probably can find a lot of them just doing through some Google searches of things, of questions that we've learned over the years really help create healthy partnership agreements. Uh, not only, or even agreements in general. Yeah. Okay. I better not say just partner because, you know, one the example I use is they were selling it off in that transferability between owners and there was a short marriage period per se um, of that transition, but an agreement in there was very important to make sure that it was structured properly to get it done right. So, so, you know, I I guess wrapping up my few thoughts are, is that it is important to have an agreement. I'm not opposed to handshakes. Okay. I think that drives a lot of things, but, uh, an agreement in the, in the end of the day is what's going to allow you to know how you work forward on it. So having, you know, those clear objectives as you move forward, don't be afraid of having the tough conversations in the beginning, Mm -hmm. because if you can't come to an agreement in the beginning, you're certainly not later down the road. That right there is great advice. That's great counsel. So uh, start to have those. And, and we shared some questions of, you know, a handful of questions that you should be asking as part of those, that tough conversation moving forward. Um, and then for me, it's always making sure that um, the partnership is structured with the right percentages, with the right people so that you don't run into a stalemate. Yeah, because yeah. that one that one has hurt a lot of organizations. Yeah, so those are my takeaways. So 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 we'll go ahead and uh, we'll post some of these questions on uh, the description of this episode. So if you uh, want to go to marketingmanagementmoney.com and pull up that description, if you want to get an idea of some of these questions that uh, Ethan's been uh, been bringing up. So thank you so much for joining us. We will catch you next time. Take control of your business today. Go to learndesk.us and search marketing management and money for the small business insights you've always wanted. Be sure to stay tuned for new episodes on the first and third Wednesdays of every month and make sure to subscribe to be notified when we release bonus content such as interviews and short discussions.